The World Tomorrow. Herbert W. Armstrong brings you the plain truth about today's world news and the prophecies of the world tomorrow. And greetings, friends. This is Herbert W. Armstrong with the good news of the world tomorrow. Today, we're nearing the Easter season once again. Here we are coming into the time of Lent. Pretty soon, Good Friday and Easter will be rolling around. Now, where did we get those things? Why do we observe them? Why does anyone observe Lent? Where did it come from? Do you know? My friends, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ was not on Good Friday. Good Friday is not the anniversary or the time at all in which Jesus was crucified. And, listen, this is even more staggering, the resurrection was not on Sunday. The resurrection did not occur on Sunday at all. You don't believe that? Are you willing to open your mind to the proof? Are you going to believe people? Are you, would you rather believe a fable? Would you rather believe what is, well, what's customary, what is fashionable? Would you rather be a dumb sheep? Follow the crowd, because that's the way the crowd is going. That is an old tradition. But my friends, where do all of these traditions come from? You know, it's been commonly supposed that Jesus was crucified on Friday, and so it's called Good Friday, and that the resurrection occurred at about sunrise on Easter Sunday morning, or just before the rising of the sun. Now, it would seem that no one until very recently ever thought to question or to prove this Good Friday, this Easter tradition, and yet your Bible tells you to prove all things if you believe in the Bible. You're going to be literally astounded by the proof. Now, I also have a booklet on the resurrection, proving that very thing. Get this booklet. Don't believe the booklet. Believe what you see in your Bible, but it will show you where it is. And then open your own Bible and read it there and believe what you see there. Don't believe me. Don't believe our booklets. But read them and listen to them with open mind and search and research and get the proof. Know why you believe the things you do, why you do the things you do. Let's have the intellectual honesty to face these things. Your Bible prophesies that in this day all nations would be deceived. Could we be deceived on such tremendous things as Easter and Christmas and things like that? My friends, do you know that the early church of God that Jesus Christ built, the church he said he would build, the church that was headed by Jesus Christ himself and visibly on earth by his apostles, you know that they never observed any Easter. You know that they never observed any Christmas, any New Year's Day like we do at all. You know where these things came from that we call Christian. Your Bible says that you today would be embracing and believing fables instead of the truth of God. Would you rather go on in this dreamland? You know when anyone is snoozing away in the morning and it's time to get up and someone awakens them, they're, oh boy, don't wake me up. I'd rather go on in this foolish, silly dream. But my friends, you're living in reality and it's time to wake up. Now I have another book that I'd like you to read, Easter. About Easter, I'm not going to read the rest of the title to you. It's a little bit shocking. Yes, it's just a little bit shocking, but this will tell you where Lent came from. It will tell you where all of this came from. How did we start celebrating what we call Easter? The resurrection was not on Sunday. 
Get the booklet on the resurrection and then get the one on Easter, and it will give you the very carefully and authentically documented history on Easter and where it came from. Now, you can check all the biblical part in your Bible, all the historic parts. You can go to any public library and get the books and read them right there yourself. And where did Lent come from? You want to get the history of that. It's going to amaze you. But my friends, what lies ahead now for the United States? Where are we and what is going to happen to us? We've been going through the prophecy specifically now, in the prophecy of Jeremiah, and now in the beginning of the fifth chapter, we're coming to things that are telling what is going to happen to the United States now, or very, very soon now. All right, now beginning with this fifth chapter, the meaning begins to shift from the specific warning of an invasion that was coming at that time, 600 years before Christ, on the Jews in Judah, the land of Judea. Now, there is a dual meaning, and the meaning finally is going to shift over entirely to us today, the United States and Great Britain today. So you better listen. Because while this was specifically applying to them at that time that I just read to you, it does apply to us today. And God would say this to America today. Listen. Scour the streets of America. Let's say of Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, of Houston, Texas, of Seattle, Washington. Scour the streets of these cities in America. Search the squares and see if you can find a man of honest mind and true integrity. Is there any such thing today? There may be a few, but it's mighty few, and you know that. They may swear, as the eternal lives, but the oath is a perjury, says God. Oh, we, we, we make mention of God. We have churches on our street corners. I don't know whether we have millions of churches in the United States or just a few hundred thousand, a lot of them. Oh, thou eternal, what thou lookest for is honesty, not falsehood. Thou hast struck them, but they smarted not. They would not learn. In other words, we've been punished, but we don't learn the lesson by it. Listen, we've been punished on this earth for 6,000 years. Mankind is reaping what he's been sowing, but he doesn't see the lesson. He's been writing the lesson in human blood and anguish, torture, fear, hunger, disease, sickness, insanity, Almost every wrong thing in war, every terrible, horrible thing, we've been writing the lesson, but we haven't learned it. We want anything except to turn to God and God's laws. Anything else. The preachers preach to you a way of salvation without any obedience to God. Why, my friends, what is sin? It is disobedience of God and of these laws of God. That's what sin is. Why don't they preach that to you? Why don't they tell you that salvation is only for those that turn away from that disobedience? Your turning away doesn't save you. But it is a condition, and God will only save those who do turn away. You're saved by grace, God's free grace. But God gives that grace only to those who have turned away from their sins, from their own wickedness and their own evil, and who surrender to him, to his laws, to his government, his great spiritual laws. I'm not talking about laws of animal sacrifices, meat and drink offerings, and the uh, uh, kind of carnal, fleshly, material uh, laws that were the rituals in the Old Testament. I'm not talking about that at all. But the trouble is today, they try to give you the idea that the great spiritual law that is summed up in the one word love 
in the two great commandments, thou shalt love the eternal thy God and your neighbor. And then the ten commandments, the first four tell you how to love God, and the last six, how to love your neighbor. They try to say that's all one law. My friends, if you can do away with that, you can do away with all goodness, all righteousness, all character, everything worthwhile. Now, if we all kept the Ten Commandments proper, there wouldn't be any war. There wouldn't be any of these evils that we suffer today. Now, notice, they hardened themselves like a flint they would not turn, even though they suffered all of these things. And that's true of us today. This is just true of the United States and of you people today. But these are poor folk, I said, Jeremiah is writing here. And Jeremiah said to God, but these I have seen, they're just the poor, mere ignorant folk who never learned the rules of the eternal or the kingdom of their God. Now, many of you today, you've never learned the rules, that is, the laws of God, because you've heard they're done away, and you've listened to that kind of talk. You've never heard, many of you, the true religion of God. You've heard a religion of man about Christ. They exalt Christ. They come in the name of Christ, just as he said they would. They come in the name of Christ. They say that he is the Christ, that Jesus was the Messiah. They exalt him. They deify him. They say, just receive him, just accept him. But they don't say, give yourself to him. They don't tell you, you must surrender and obey him. Or they'll say, well, obey Christ, but don't obey God the Father, as if there is a, a difference and a war on between Christ and God the Father. Oh, my friends, when will we wake up? Well, Jeremiah thought these were just poor, ignorant folk. Someone might think that's the way it is today. So Jeremiah said, I'll turn to the upper classes. I'll talk with them, for they have learned the rules, that is, the laws about the government of the eternal and the religion of their God. But they had flung off all restraints and broken every bond. It's the same way in the United States today. It isn't a matter of ignorance. It isn't only the ignorant and the illiterate and the poor. It's also the rich and the educated. It's all of us, my friends, no matter what class you're in. We've been writing the lesson, but we haven't learned it. We want anything except to turn to God and God's laws. Anything else. The preachers preach to you a way of salvation without any obedience to God. All right, now we've been going through a specific prophecy. We've been going through the book of Jeremiah. And I have turned back to a prophecy written even by Moses that applies to us. Getting now into a specific prophecy pertaining to us. Now, you read back here in the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy, you would certainly think that this applies to Israel of long ago. But, my friends, it applies to what is going to yet happen to us, our American people, right here in the United States today. Now, I want to go back into the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy a little bit, because here is a prophecy. When you have the keys that unlock these prophecies, one of them is the principle of duality and how so much of these prophecies applied specifically to a time back there, perhaps uh, 600 years, perhaps in some cases 168 years before Christ. In some cases they happened uh, two or three hundred years after Christ. But that was merely a type of forerunner of the great antitypical event, the real event that is to happen in the next 5, 10, 20 years from now. So this is a prophecy like that, and I'm going to show you how I know. Because I'm not just guessing. I can't just read a prophecy that was already fulfilled and say, well, that was a, 
uh, forerunner for something that's going to happen to us. Just because I want to perhaps have it come out that way, I can't do that. No, there's a reason why I know that this is a prophecy for us today. All right, let's get into it, and I'll show you how I know and why. Now, it shall come to pass, God said, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the eternal thy God to observe and to do all of his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the eternal thy God will set thee high above all the nations of the earth. Now that, of course, was a message that Moses gave to Israel way back there in the time of Moses, even before they had come into the land of Palestine. But I want to show you how important that is and how it contains, before we get through, a prophecy that you are going to see fulfilled today. Now, verse 7, The eternal shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. Now, that's been happening to us today. That prophecy has been fulfilled because Abraham kept God's commandments and obeyed God. And God had given Abraham an all-inclusive, unconditional promise that he would never break, that that promise would be fulfilled. Now, we had read back here in Leviticus 26, where God had said to the people of Israel in Moses' day, through Moses, that if they would obey him then, that they, of that time, Israel in that generation, and the one or two or three generations following, uh, from the time of Moses, that they would be the chief of the nations of the earth. In other words, they would then inherit the promise that God had made to Abraham, the birthright promise that has nothing to do with salvation itself directly. It is a promise of race, a promise that we inherit by physical birth, not a promise of grace. But he had said to them at that time, if you will not hearken unto me to do all these commandments, then he was going to punish them seven times for their sins. In other words, they would be captive and be driven out and all of that sort of thing, but there would be seven times passed over them before these promises could be fulfilled. Now, God had made the promise unconditionally to Abraham. God was bound to keep the promise, but he did it this way. He promised that the descendants of Abraham, in the days of Moses, 400 years after Abraham, could have had the promise at that time, if they had at that time obeyed God. Because he was their ruler, he set them up as his nation, he was their king, but it wasn't very long until they rejected him from being king. They wanted a man to be a king, so they got Saul, and later David and David's dynasty, and so on. Well, they refused to obey God then. And so God took away this promise from them for 2,520 years, which carried from about 720 B.C. on down to 1800, or the very beginning of the 19th century A.D. And we, my friends, are the recipients of those very promises. We have been the head nation and not the tail. We have had every promise God ever made to Abraham fulfilled in our American people and the British Commonwealth, our British cousins, the British Commonwealth of Nations. Now then, God had said here that the Lord will command blessings upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand to do. He shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God shall give thee. Well, specifically, it applied then at that time to Palestine, but it applies to our land here today for us. Now then, I'm going to show you why in just a moment. That God will make thee uh, plenteous in goods. That's in verse 11. And in verse 12, the eternal shall open unto thee his good treasure. 
the heaven to give thee rain unto thy land in his season. So you see, rain and having good crops is part of the blessing, my friends. And it comes because of the obedience of Abraham, but God has given us that ever since about 1800, and he is not bound to keep it up any longer. Now, the promise of God that he will remove these things from us applies because he has already kept the promise. Now, if we have not obeyed him, then it's going to be taken away from us again, and we're going to be punished. Now, now he said here, Thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. Now, that did not happen to ancient Israel, but that has happened to us. That has happened to us. We have had lend-lease. We have had our Marshall Plan. We have given money and lended money to many nations, money that most of them never pay back. Remember how little Finland was the one nation that began to pay back some of this money. Some of the nations have paid some of it back. I don't believe the Russians have ever paid any of it back, have they? It doesn't seem to me I recall that they had. And the Eternal shall make thee the head and not the tail, and thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath, if, if thou hearken to do under the commandments of the Eternal thy God. Now, much of that, my friends, has been fulfilled in us and never was fulfilled in Israel because of old, I mean, because they did not obey God. But, now, beginning with verse 15, now here comes the penalty for disobedience. But, it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Eternal thy God to observe to do all of his commandments, that all of these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Listen. Cursed shalt thou be in the city, and cursed shalt thou be in the field. Cursed shall be thy basket and thy store. In other words, our, our produce and so on, and the things that we manufacture. The Eternal shall send upon thee cursing, vexation, and rebuke in all that thou settest thine hand for to do, until thou be destroyed, and until thou perish quickly because of the wickedness of thy doings, whereby thou hast forsaken me. God says here, and I want to tell you, my friends, there are other prophecies that show that this applies to us today that we are to be destroyed if we don't turn from our ways right now. We have had every one of these blessings. Why, here it said, Remember that I read to you in the seventh verse, The Eternal shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. That's happened in every war up until Korea. But now, my friends, we're at the time of the end. And now that we've come to the time of the end... That no longer applies. Now, if we don't, we're not going to have that blessing, in other words, because of Abraham's obedience any longer. We've had it. We have had it. And from now on, if we don't obey God, the blessing goes and the curse will come. Now I want you to notice, and the curse is already coming. The pendulum is swinging the other direction, and it's going to swing to the extreme if we don't wake up. I'm telling you, and I don't know, God have mercy on us, I don't know why. I don't hear any other voice warning you of these things. Listen, verse 22, The Eternal shall smite thee with the consumption, and with fever, and with an inflammation, and with extreme burning, and with the, it says sword, but the margin is drought, with the drought, and with blasting, and with mildew, and they shall pursue thee until thou perish. Now, we're already beginning to get a taste of that. All these diseases, we have more modern diseases now than I believe any nation ever had. Our land is just ridded with diseases now. Diseases that our forefathers of three or four generations ago never heard of. Do you realize how many of our people heart failure is taking today? 
You know why their heart failure is coming. You know how many of our people are dying by cancer, and you know why cancer is coming upon us. You know how much, how many of our people have diabetes. You know how many of our people have arthritis. You know how many of our people have all of the, oh, a whole myriad of modern diseases doctors don't know much about. So we raise millions of dollars to try to get rid of it by doctors. God is sending this thing on us as a penalty. We're raising millions of dollars and creating a heart fund and a cancer fund of millions of dollars for doctors to try to do something about it, and they're not succeeding very fast, are they? Yeah, they lead you to think that pretty soon the doctor's going to have all these things under control. God Almighty says, I'll send these diseases on you because of the way you're acting. Why? Why does God send pain? To let you know there's something wrong so you'll change and do something about it. That's why. And here we've done wrong and God is sending the pain. But no, we're going to go on doing wrong. We're going to have a lot of physicians and doctors. You know, we've been just hoodwinked and following custom and anything that the people want to put over, anything the people have decided to believe like a lot of dumb sheep about long enough. I want to tell you now it's time for us to begin to look into these things. You've got a mind. You have eyes to see these things with and to read with. You have ears to listen with. God help you to open them. God help you to use your mind and to quit being deceived. This is a challenge to you scientists listening and some of you are listening too. You better quit your scoffing, and you better wake up a little bit, because we're facing reality, and I want to tell you we're riding into the most dangerous times for this nation that you could possibly imagine. Well, time is fleeting. Let's run along here. Beginning of verse 24. Now listen, the Eternal shall make the rain of thy land powder and dust, that is, drought. I'm telling you, my friends, this whole earth is shaking with convulsions right now. Even all nature is enraged and aroused because of the way we've been living. Yes, the weather is the biggest news a good deal of the time right now. And God says that the Eternal will make the rain of thy land, that's speaking of America and Britain and Canada, of thy land, powder and dust, from heaven shall it come down upon thee until thou be destroyed. The Eternal shall cause thee to be smitten before thine enemies. That hasn't happened yet. There's still time to stop that from happening if we'll wake up. Because there's an if before all of this, remember this, but it shall come to pass if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the eternal thy God. Oh, we want to listen to the siren song. There are no works to salvation. Just believe. Just profess. Just accept Christ. Make your decision for Christ. That's pretty easy, isn't it? And then go on doing the wrong way that's bringing suffering and unhappiness and chaos and retribution on us. But let's just raise million-dollar funds and what we call human science. Try to raise it to a dignity above God Almighty, and we think we can escape. So I'm warning you, my friends, and I'm warning you in the name of Jesus Christ and on the authority of the Holy Word of God. For more information please visit our website at www.coglittleflock.com.